Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Maury Tahiri Poor, who is the author of an incredible book that you need to get your hands on called Bring Yourself. And if you have not heard about this book, I hope that you will reach out and wherever your favorite place is to buy books and get a copy of it. But it is a book that is about something that even if you're not in business, you need to understand how to negotiate. So that could be figuring out how to negotiate with your children, figuring out how to negotiate with your plumber. I don't know. Anything that you need to do. I kept thinking as I was going through her book that negotiation really is not uh, just for business, although definitely Maury uh, is teaching at one of the top schools in the country at Wharton, where she focuses on the human side of negotiating. Her method isn't 
prescriptive. She helps people get out of their heads and let go of self-judgment and get comfortable with stillness. She also coaches people to lead conversations with an open mind and figure out what feels right for them, which I love. Negotiation is not a one-way street. And uh, I can't wait to dig into this more with her. Like I said, her book is absolutely awesome called Bring Yourself and uh, definitely excited to have Maury here today. So thanks for coming on, Maury. I'm so excited. That was like the best intro ever, I think. <laughs> like the perfect description <laughs> book today. I feel like I need to just, just press re- you know, replay every time I speak somewhere because I was like, you captured it ever so perfectly. Oh, I love it. Well, you are so inspiring. And this book, as uh, we were just talking about it, actually came out a couple of years ago, the same year that my book came out. Um, and and definitely, I was uh, watching sort of the other books that were out at the same time. And uh, yours definitely was one of them. So I think it's it's such a great, great book. And I'm excited like I said, to have you here on the show. So as I mentioned in the intro, you wrote this book kind of based on a lot of what you're teaching and your theories on negotiation over the years. You've had a a top class. You are a nine-time teacher of the year at Wharton. I mean, amazing, amazing. Congratulations. But can you give a brief... 11 as of recently, so... 11. Okay. So here I'll say you are a 11 time teacher of the year at Wharton, which is amazing. So can you give us a brief overview of the book? Like how would you describe it to somebody when maybe you're introducing yourself as, as an author and they say, well, what did you write a book on? So yeah, I think the first thing I do is I tell them it's not a textbook because the minute you talk about sort of a negotiations book or a business book, people think it's going to be very, like you said, very prescriptive, very formulaic, you know, all about tactics, just reading like a, like a textbook. And so I immediately tell them it's about negotiations, but it's really about my life um, and sort of my experiences and the experiences of people that I've worked with from entrepreneurs to athletes to my Wharton students. And I thought the story of negotiations and the message I want, wanted to deliver was best told that way through the eyes of experience. Um, and it's a very practical skill. So it wouldn't make sense if I just said, you know, here's a strategy. I really wanted to give it through the lens of people who had successes, had challenges, um, how they got around those challenges, and really about sort of some of the myths that I think hold people back um, around negotiations. So I would, I would really describe it as a book that you can always sort of grab off the shelf um, that gives you really practical advice around negotiations, but really also talks about the mindset of a negotiator, a successful negotiator, um, really delves into things like knowing your self-worth and being your best advocate and doing so sort of unabashedly and, and courageously and really speak, knowing that speaking up for yourself first and foremost is your, is your duty. Um, and not something that makes you greedy or not something that you should be judged by or even you judging yourself. Um, but it's really something that every great negotiator does, which is take care of themselves first in order for us to take care of others. So a little myth busting, a little bit of an autobiography, um, and hopefully something that would be helpful to a lot of people. Why are negotiations so difficult for people? I think part of it is socialization. 
Um, and this could be cross culture. It could be cross gender. Um, you know, especially if you talk about women, a lot of times, you know, we're not brought up to be somebody that speaks up for ourselves, right? It's sort of like, be careful how much you ask for. Um, there's a judgment that's associated with it. Um, and I think that's also true in, in different cultures as well. Um, so part of our socialization, I think, leads to the difficulty that we have or the anxiety we have around negotiations. Um, the other part of it is, you know, part of that socialization is what we see in the movies or what we see on TV. We typically see um, somebody who's either a man or has male sort of qualities and characteristics um, and personality traits. So they're hard charging, they're contentious, they're sort of in your face. Um, and a lot of people don't really associate with themse- themselves with some with somebody like that, right? So many, many people I work with say, I always felt like I couldn't be a great negotiator because, and then fill in the blanks, I'm not contentious. I don't like conflict. I like being collaborative. I like problem solving. And really all those things actually make for a great negotiator. I just think that we've been sent so many messages that make people sort of put themselves on the sideline um, and think that they can't find success. And it's, it's couldn't be further from the truth. And I'm not saying that there's not room for somebody who's aggressive or they can't be successful. There's many who are, but there's so many other personalities um, that lead to, or even um, sort of approaches to negotiations that lead to success. And um, I think, I think we're just, we don't see enough models um, of people mm-hmm. who are more sort of diplomatic or collaborative or look at negotiations as win-win, right? So I think this, I think a lot of that has led to people thinking, I'm not very good at doing this. Yeah, I think you nailed it too about the the conflict. And it's just going to be a lot easier just to walk away uh, for so many people. But when they actually think about what they really want and sort of living with those kind of decisions not to actually negotiate, it tears people apart, right? That they should have done more to stick up for themselves or or negotiate. So why is it so important to understand what type of negotiator you're dealing with? Um, because I think that people don't spend the time, to be honest with you. Um, they, they do a lot of preparation ahead of time, but most of what they think about is, um, is this a, is this person, what are they looking for, right? What are they going to be asking for? What's their outcome that they want out of this negotiation? And those things are important. Um, but the time spent actually thinking about the human side of negotiations, is not something that we focus on. And I really actually don't think we focus on it in this society. In the U.S., uh, we're very efficient. We just want things done quickly, right? The deal done quickly, Mm -hmm. the conversation to be done quickly. There's not time to sort of look at the relationship side of this. And, And so I think that, first of all, if you don't spend the time and you just jump into the deal itself without having that time to build bridges and to build rapport and to focus on the other person, not just what they want, but who they are to really see somebody. Um, then I think that it leaves sort of, it makes everything very black and white. It sort of takes away the shades of gray that I think are so beautiful and actually getting to know somebody. And so when we just jump to what is this person going to want? First of all, it's filled with assumptions. Um, it's filled with biases. It's filled with stereotypes. And so we're not giving it sort of this whole notion of slowing down to do better, slowing down to make better decisions, slowing down to build rapport, slowing down to make 
thoughtful decisions that are not based on assumptions alone. And I think that that's, that's what makes it difficult for people because they think they have to hurry up and get this over with, especially if they have anxiety to begin with, right? They feel like it's so painful. Let me just hurry up and be done with it. Whereas that's actually really the worst thing you can do because there are so many nuances to people that if you understand them, they can actually make for better deal-making. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? 
you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. What's the most difficult type of negotiator? Well, probably, like I just said, um, somebody that is rushed, that they don't Mm -hmm. feel like they have time for the people side, right? Um, And um, a lot of times those people think that the person sitting across from them, if they are asking about them, it's because they're doing it to be um, not doing it from good intentions, but really doing it to be deceiving. And how can I get over on you? And sort of like the used car salesman approach, right? So if you're trying to have small talk, it must mean that you want something um, that is not, you know, honest, or you're trying to take advantage of me. So if you come in really doubting the other person's intentions, then, you know, to convince that person that no, this is really what I want first and foremost is to get to know you. Um, it's not about the transaction. It's not about what I can get from you. But to make a better deal here, I think it's important for us to have some of this conversation and lay the groundwork. I find those people who are really sort of, whether it's because they've been scarred um, or they have these false notions of what negotiations is, they have trust issues. I think those people are probably the hardest. Some people say it's people who lie or are deceiving, but I almost think that, first of all, that's hard to control anyway for, but I think the people that look at negotiations as a mere transaction and you have to sort of really work to make them to have them think differently about it are are probably most difficult. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So do men and women negotiate differently? You talked a little bit about the, you know, I would say many women avoid conflict, but I actually think there's a lot of men that want to avoid conflict too. And, um, but I'm so curious if there's, uh, if you tend to see that there's a big difference in how people negotiate. I don't know if it's a big difference so much as it is, we communicate differently, right? Men and women communicate Mm -hmm. differently. And so I think it kind of boils down to that. Um, And so of course there's a difference, but I think that it's not as simple as gender, like to your point, um, not all women negotiate one way, not all men negotiate one way, right? There's, um, and I hate to put people in those categories, but 
there's a lot of research. There's a lot of trends. Um, and I think that if I was to, to say the, the sort of the main difference between men and women, and it's sort of the way we walk through our lives as well, is confidence. Um, and mm-hmm. men tend to have a lot more confidence. And again, I think it starts from a very young age and they're socialized for those things. Um, and women, we doubt ourselves a lot. We don't have the same level of confidence. There's this sort of, we're like paralyzed by perfection, right? So we want to show up perfectly and we want to have every um, sort of bit of experience for a job that we, a qualification that we want to apply, a job that we want to apply for. We doubt ourselves, right? And so um, the second guessing, I think, has a lot to do with the outcomes of negotiations because in that second guessing comes, is there room for me at this table? What will they think of me if I ask for this much? You know, am I even supposed to ask for a raise right now? There's a pandemic. You know, all of that sort of self-doubt, I think, creeps in much more with women than men. I certainly don't think it's because we're not qualified enough to do it. I certainly don't think that our approach to negotiations is any less favorable. In fact, I would say we're in a lot of ways, if you boil it down to just skills and and the way we um, sort of approach people, we're far more qualified in some ways because we do value relationships. We do value um, problem solving. We do value ethics. And so again, big, big generalizations, but that's just sort of, I think a lot of what research shows us, but it's not that we're not, we're not, competent enough. It's that I don't think we realize how competent we really are. So one of the key themes for negotiation in your book is to get out of your head and connect with your emotions. How can individuals or organizations navigate this? Um, I think that things like, well, from an organizational perspective, I think the culture that you instill in the organization, right? Having sort of this true sort of inclusive culture where where people are valued for who they are, but now not who they're supposed to be. And so if you really um, sort of address people in that way and, and try to sort of have them, I hate to say this, but bring, bring themselves, right. Which is the title of the book, but bring themselves to work, bring themselves to the office, bring themselves to the project in a way that's authentic to them. Then I think those are sort of the strongest, most successful cultures, right. In a, in a business, be it, a small company, be it the way a founder manages their their startup, be it a Fortune 100 company. I think as far as the sort of the individual approaches, negotiations, and why I say it's so important to get out of your own way is that nobody can tell you how much you're worth and make you believe it unless you believe it first yourself. And so to give yourself permission to, you know, this sense of deservedness, right? To believe that you deserve more, to believe that you have worked your butt off for this promotion and that you certainly deserve it. Not just walking and saying, I deserve more, but saying, look at all the things that I've accomplished and how that makes me deserving of this promotion, how that makes me deserving of this salary increase. Um, I think we have a really hard time uh, doing that and certainly almost impossible if you don't have self-confidence. And those are the things that if you don't learn to better address, particularly for people who have had challenges in their life, who have imposter syndrome, who have had traumatic experiences in their life, who have had bad breakups, whatever it is that leads to 
sort of that, that mindset of being less than, um, then I think that if, if we don't address those things first, then it's really hard to be an excellent negotiator. And, and it's sort of strange for people when they come into my class because so much of my work is around that first. I don't think any strategy will make you successful if you don't think that you deserve something in the first place or that you are not worthy of. Um, so a lot of that sort of emotional hygiene, a lot of that sort of work that is so personal and looking inward is so important. Um, and I just feel like if you don't make that a priority, it makes everything else quite impossible when it comes to negotiating for yourself. Can you talk about the different types of negotiators? There's all kinds, right? Yeah, there's so many kinds. Um, I mean, the sort of the, the, the general kind of categories of negotiators. So there's, there are people who are really competitive. Obviously, we just talked about that, who sort of see negotiations as more of a game, um, that kind of anything goes, right? And they get very excited um, about the notion of negotiations because to them, that's the way that they're going to get what they want. Um, there's really sort of this aura of fearlessness around it. Um, there's the accommodating negotiators, right? The, the people pleasers, if you will, the other side of it. So their goal is I want to make the other person sitting across from me as happy with this as I am, if not more so. Um, and they tend to be far more um, emotionally intelligent they tend to spend a great deal of time trying to figure out what the other person wants. Um, they're very good actually in that way. So they, they really want to get into the other person's head. They're quite empathetic. Um, and, and so that's where they put their energy, right? So kind of the opposite of the competitor negotiator. Then there's the uh, person who wants to just avoid negotiations altogether, right? They're, they don't like it. They don't want to do it. In their heads, they have sort of this this fear of negotiations, usually driven by the fact that they don't want conflict. And that's how they see negotiations. Um, and studies show us actually that this is the, the predominant personality type in negotiations, actually. More people around the world are in that sort of avoidance category than any other category, um, which, again, leads to why there's so much so many myths around negotiations and why people don't feel comfortable with it. Um, then sort of in between all that are sort of the collaborative people who are more problem solving and they tend to take things really slowly. Um, they want to get as much information as possible before they make decisions or before they even go into the negotiations um, and, and sort of more consensus building. And I think the last one is the person who I call the split the difference folks who don't mind negotiating. They don't love it. So the minute they can say, okay, you won't ask for 10. I ask for 20. Let's say 15. Let's go out for drinks. Um, it's because, and, and by the way, it's like 15 minutes into the discussion. They just don't want to be in it. So the, the quicker they can do it, the better it is. Um, but again, it's not that they have fear about going into it. They just, have sort of difficulty staying in the conversation. So what if you're dealing with a negotiation that the person acts like they're the decision maker, but they're not, and you've got somebody, you know, you, you're sure that, or, or maybe they are the decision maker, but they're blaming, you know, there's, there's scales for different 
salary ranges and, you know, can't do it or whatever. How do you deal with somebody like that who you're quite sure based on your own knowledge or just by talking to them that they're not actually the decision maker? How do you negotiate that? Um, I think that you still have to treat them almost like they are the decision maker because people are people, right? And mm-hmm. nobody wants to feel dismissed. Nobody wants to yeah. feel like they're not important enough. Um, and if if indeed they are not the ultimate decision maker, they are going to be your advocate or not, right? So you want to talk to them in a way that they're delivering the message that you want to be delivered. And that is also inclusive of how they treat, how you treat them, right? So it's not just the great deal that you're offering. It's that, by the way, this person was very respectful. They're very prepared, but not conceited. They were um, really sort of uh, sort of empathetic. They spent a lot of time. They weren't rushing us. They they were sort of really kind of a joy to, to speak to, right? A, a very enjoyable conversation, a really positive experience. And you're sort of stamping that, right? Like the way you treat people, I think, is so important. Um, and and I hate that sometimes people, it's the way people are with like assistants, right? Um, they're not the boss, so you know whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really treat them cordially, and I just need them to connect me with the person who's really important. Well, what people don't realize is that that person, if they don't like you, you're probably never gonna see their boss anyway, right? They're never gonna find. Mm-hmm space for you on that person's calendar and somehow their boss is always busy. It's because everybody wants to feel seen and everybody wants to feel respected. So I think my biggest word of advice is treat everybody the same. And that is with respect and with empathy and with a sense of, you know, nobody is more important than you in this conversation. Nobody's competing for my attention. This is it. And I think when you do that, it's far more likely that your message the opportunity will be delivered in a way that's really positive and and they'll advocate for you. So you talk about emotional intelligence, and I guess to some extent that also speaks to that. Uh, But what are some tips for using emotional intelligence to negotiate effectively? First tip is put every device that you have away that could be, you know, sort of robbing you of your attention, right? Very hard to be emotionally intelligent if you're not present. Um, really hard to be emotionally intelligent if you're not mindful. Um, distraction is not your friend when it comes to emotional intelligence. So, and we're naturally distracted anyway. Um, but I think that emotional intelligence is so important because it gives you information way beyond just sort of the, the, I don't know, deal points or sort of data, right? Emotional intelligence gives you an opportunity to to understand how somebody's reacting to you. Emotional intelligence allows you to get information from someone in a way that they don't even know they're delivering, right? The smile, the the, the glance, the the look of, you know, being puzzled or, or not really understanding what you're saying. And you're not just continuing to talk and give the same pitch over and over again without even looking at somebody and saying, I don't think they really understood what I just said, right? They look a little puzzled. They look a little confused. Um, let me repeat that, or let me say it in a different way. You slow down, you change the way you change the way you frame what you just said, because you were seeing that that person is not really either comfortable or understanding what you just presented. Hard to do that if, again, you're distracted. So I think the first 
tip is don't be distracted. And to, to sort of further that is pay attention to everything. Um, there, there's a lot of information to get from people and they don't even open their mouth, right? From the, the glance, again, the, the body language. But if you're distracted, it's really, really hard to do that. And, and one last thing is if you're not emotionally intelligent, you know, this notion of, you know, emotions getting in the way of negotiations or sort of tempers rising and, and the heat sort of going up in the conversation. If we are sort of headed in the direction of conflict, it's hard for us to have that sense for it sometimes because we're just reacting to it physically. Um, and if you are not present and you don't understand what you're saying maybe or how you're sitting up all of a sudden or or the way you're approaching this person with the language that you're using, if, if you're not really present, that actually can really um, sort of dictate how quickly you get into that place of conflict or, or you know, tempers flaring. You didn't even know what was happening. And then all of a sudden you're like, why are we yelling at each other, right? You weren't even present enough to know that that train was coming. Yeah, really, really excellent point. So Bring Yourself is such a great book. Everybody needs to grab a copy of it. There's so many great pieces in here that you can, I mean, it's a reference guide. So I'm not going to give up my book because I <laughs> definitely different types of negotiations. You have to go back and really look at it. Uh, for a resourcing on how to deal with different situations. You talk about frameworks in there as well. You just touched on that a few minutes ago. But what would you say, what's your best advice for people? You've given lots of pieces of advice uh, to date, but someone entering into a, ne a negotiation, one of the most important things for them to remember. One, um, I would say that it actually is knowing your self-worth um, and, and doing so without fear of judgment, um, without this notion of guilt. Uh, because again, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and there should be no shame or guilt associated with that. And I think that that's sort of the, the basis of it, right? And, and it's sort of the step one. If you can't do that, then it's very hard to get what you want. Um, it's very hard to not settle, right? Um, and you'll always feel the sense of de being defeated. Um, you'll always have this sense of, I gave away too much. Well, nobody takes anything from you that you're not willing to give. And so that helps you draw better boundaries. That helps you better treat people or treat them the way you want to treat them because you have a really good understanding of who you are and what's important to you of your values. So I think that self-work, that sort of understanding yourself better and giving yourself time for reflection that's not focused on anything else but yourself first and foremost. Um, so I would say and on any given day you ask me that question, I'll probably say something different, but I think that in the world that we're living in today, that's not so kind um, that, you know, a lot of us feel, you know, really sort of beat down um, with the way either we're treated or we see other people being treated. I think to spend a little bit of that time giving yourself empathy um, and self-care and self-love um, is so important and really is the first step. So I would say that that's probably the first place I would lean today. Great advice. So Maury, thank you so much. The book again is called Bring Yourself and definitely pick up a copy of it or uh, Audible as well. And uh, 
And definitely, uh, Maury, I really appreciate you coming on and explaining a little bit more. Everybody's in negotiations every single day. Um, some are more critical than others, but I really loved your book and everything about it and meeting you too. So thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Kara. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. I would love to hear from you too, so feel free to DM me. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Undaunted, where I share more about my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.